Well, good morning. Glad that you're here today. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad to be a part of this family. Today was just a really awesome day, getting to see the children, seeing the families dedicate their kids. It's such a special experience, and I'm glad that we are a church that supports families and walks alongside families. We've been studying through this series called I Want to Believe But, where Brian Fakes, our lead minister, has just shared some, some common concerns and doubts that people might have about God, and, and he talked about, just last week he talked about rules and how we, you know, what's up with all the rules, and I would encourage you to go on our website, we actually record our sermons, we video them, he had a great visual illustration, and you can go online and watch it, it was a good example about uh, just the rules that we have and how really they, they give us more freedom. Well, today we're actually going to be talking about people, specifically people who get in the way of you believing in God. I want to believe, but people just keep getting in the way. Here's the thing to think about as we uh, talk this morning is some people struggle with belief because of other people, not God. It isn't actually because of what God himself said or did, but what people representing him said or did. See, I know I've been there before. I have people like that in my life. Uh, maybe you have someone like this. I had a coworker. Uh, when I used to work at Radio Shack back in the day, which, I mean, that's not even around anymore, is it, Radio Shack? So it shows my age that it's not around anymore. But I used to work at Radio Shack, and there was a guy who worked there who just wasn't a very good person. He had very bad language. He talked bad. He, he was late a lot to work and made up stories about, you know, crazy stories that there's no way they were true. And he uh, talked bad about women, and customers would come in when they'd leave. He would make fun of them, and... He stole from work. I don't know if he stole money, but he stole time. Like, he would play on his phone. He'd play on the computer. He would go into the bathroom for, like, half an hour and play on his phone. And it was just, it was, it was just, he wasn't a good person. The thing that bugged me the most about him, though, was that he would act like this, do all these things, and then he would say that he was a Christian. And that really troubled me because I'm someone who takes seriously uh, that I am a representative of Christ. And so when someone like him does that, it gives people ammunition. It gives people reasons to doubt. It gives people reasons to not believe. For example, another co-worker of mine at Radio Shack years ago had an instance like that. She was involved in a church. Her dad was actually an elder of a church. And something bad happened. She had a really bad experience at this church, and there was something with the people and the leadership. And then after that, she had wanted nothing to do with church, with Christians, with God, because of this experience she had from these people at this church. So there's people like that in my life. I, I would assume you have people in your life or you've been through a time in your life where you struggle with belief because of something that someone else did, someone getting in the way. We're going to be looking at a story today from the life of Christ. And it's a time, it's Dedication Sunday, so it makes a lot of sense. We're going to talk about a time when people, parents, were bringing their babies to Jesus so he could bless them. And so we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, you can pull out your Bibles. If you have your smartphone or tablets, you can get on the Bible app and follow along. We'll be in Luke chapter 18. Let me first set the stage a little bit while you're getting there. This is near the end of Jesus' ministry on earth. He ministered for about three years. And this is the last year. And it's known as the year of oppression. Of, sorry, not the year of oppression. It's known as the year of opposition. And that's because by this point, he's ruffled a lot of feathers. By this point, he had really been challenging the religious leaders about what they thought they were supposed to be doing, and he really pushed the envelope. And by this point, people want him dead. 
That's just the truth. So he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem for the last time. On his way there, this little story happens in Luke 15. And just before the people bring their, their kids, Jesus actually rebukes people who think they're better than others. He actually tells a parable. He tells a story where the Pharisee is the bad guy, the religious leader, and the tax collector is the good guy. It'd be like, that's crazy. It'd be like if I told a story and the pastor was a bad guy and the thief was a good guy. Like it just, it's, it's mind-blowing what he's telling here, but he's explaining to them how, it, you, how you shouldn't be better than, say you're better than other people. And then we get to verse 15. And it says this. People were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. As we see in this passage, we see that people, these parents, they wanted Jesus in their child's life. These people really wanted Jesus to be a part of their kid's life. I want to take a few minutes and talk about this church. Brag on our, all our children's ministry, our, all of our workers, and all of the stuff that they do, that they're doing right now. This is a church that values bringing Jesus to children, having Jesus be a part of a child's life. I'm not just saying that as the family minister, as someone, you know, who who oversees and leads the youth and children's ministries. I'm saying it as a parent of two children, soon to be three children, in the children's ministry, and one who just turned three last week, and now it's in the preschool class. It's, that's just weird to think about. But I know that right now, that they're right down the hallway here, that they're learning about Jesus in a loving and in a safe environment, where I know that, they, that the teachers love them and care about them, like, I mean, last week, the teacher in the preschool wrote a little happy birthday card for my daughter, and she was bringing it around. She had to bring it with her everywhere she went. And it just shows that this is a place that values bringing Jesus into kids' lives. The other thing about this church that we do is we try to value bringing Jesus home. Having not just the kids learn about Jesus and, and the Bible here at church, but bringing it into your homes. I'm going to take a little bit of a minute and, and give, a, give an advertisement for, say, for an app. There's an app you can download, and this is really for anyone, but for, for kids that, parents that have kids in the children's ministry, it's called the Parent Q app. And it literally has for free the Bible story video that the kids watch right now where they learn about Jesus and the Bible story. It's for free right there on your app. And then it has, like, the memory verse available for you. It has the bottom line they're learning about for that week and the month. It even has an activity for you to do at home with your kid to help reinforce what they're learning here at church at home. And it's all free. It's an amazing resource that we have. We watch the Bible store videos at home. And before we do it, we ask Naomi, our our three-year-old, to say the memory verse. And she'll tell it to you. She knows that the memory verse is from Matthew 28, verse 19 for the preschool class. And it's to go into all, to tell, they're talking about telling telling about Jesus. And that there's big news that Jesus is alive. And she'll tell you that over and over again. Because that's what they're learning about. And we do this stuff at home. So we are a church that values bringing Jesus home. And it's, it all comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is, called, this is the Shema. And from Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, it says this. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. I don't know about you, but I'm busy. You're probably busy, especially if you have kids and they're in dance and sports and scouts and all this stuff. And there's, don't, 
don't get me started on homework, how much homework they have. You know, all these things that your kids have to do, you're busy. Well, the great thing about what we do here is we try and make it easy for you to bring Jesus into your home. With these, with like the app, it'll have something to do at bath time. You're already going to do bath time with your kid. While you're doing bath time, talk about Jesus. While you're in your car or at bedtime, while you're eating around the dinner table, you can do these things to bring Jesus into your home. And so I'm very glad to be a part of a church that brings Jesus into your home. We're a church that does that in our story of Jesus. The people wanted Jesus in their life, in their kid's life. But unfortunately, what we're going to see as we continue is that people got in the way. And that's, our, that's the second thing there, is that people got in the way. It's from verse 15. When the disciples saw this, when they saw that the parents were bringing their babies to Jesus, it says that they rebuked them. People got in the way. Not just any people. It was the disciples, the people that are supposed to be walking with and helping and representing Jesus in this ministry with him. They got in the way. And I tell you what, if that happened to me, I would not be happy. I don't know about you, but if I did, you know, I got my kids ready, I got them dressed, I got them changed, got them packed up, packed up a lunch, you know, load them up in the car, and then went somewhere, and we're going somewhere specific, and I show up at that place, and they say, you're not welcome here, go away, I would not be very happy. I don't know about you, but it's a big, it's a lot of, it's a lot of undertaking to get kids out the door. You know, I imagine it was for them, too. Unfortunately, this hypothetical situation is not, is a reality, for myself, I had this happen to me less than a month ago. So, anyone here been to Purina Farms before? Out in uh, near, on the way to Eureka area, and that you know, past you know, you've been there before. I've been there before. We went last year to Purina Farms. It's kind of like a place there. You know, there's dog shows. There's animals you can see: horses and chickens and pigs, and and they have like a cow milking demonstration. And the cool thing about it is, it's all free. So it's a really cool experience. It's awesome. It's just like an hour away from here. Well, last year we wanted to go for a thing they call Springtime Village. And Springtime Village is a time where they actually have little animals, baby animals that you get to go on a line, you get to pet them. And it's really cool. It's a really fun experience. Well, we went last year to this. Before we went, we, though, we were told we had to register or reserve a spot. So we, you know, we got reserved. We said how many people. It was going to be our family and a couple other families going with us. We were celebrating Naomi's two-year-old, her, her birthday, her second birthday. And so we show up at Purina Farms. We just drive right up, pull into the parking lot, get the kids out, walk inside. And we're kind of like looking around like, what do we tell people that we're here? Like, we reserved. What do we do? So finally someone walks over to the front and we say, hey, we have a reservation for this many people. And it's our family. And they say, okay, let me check on it. So then we waited there. We ended up waiting there for about 10 or 15 minutes, roughly, as we're just waiting for them to come back to let us know that we're, we're supposed to be there. But while we're waiting there, there's people just walking in and just going to the, the exhibit that's right along, that's right there where they can play with dogs and cool, do fun things. And we're just sitting there waiting, like, what is happening here? Like, we're, why are we waiting? So we waited like 10, 15 minutes. The person shows back up and says, okay, you're good to go. You're good to go in. We got your reservation. And then we're like, okay, thanks. And we kind of looked at her and we said, now we just have a question. You know, why did, why did we register? There's people just walking in. And they said, well, you didn't actually have to register. So we're like, okay, well, whatever. I mean, it's free. What do you got to complain about? You know, like, we're like, whatever. We'll go on in. We just wasted 15 minutes, but that's eh, fine. So we had a great experience and we wanted to go back this year for Springtime Village. And so this year, though, we decided, oh, well, they told us last year you don't need to register. 
we're not going to register. So looking back on it, we wish we would have. But anyway, we'll get to that in a second. So we, we pull in. Again, it's 45 minutes away, an hour away, depending on traffic. And we get there, and there's actually a line to get in at the door to drive in at the parking lot, right at the front of the parking lot. And this wasn't there last year. We're like, oh, maybe they're asking for money for parking this time. So we got our cash out. We're ready to pay. And we pull up to the front, and they have us roll the window down, and they say, do you have a reservation? And we said, well, no. We, were la- we did last year, and they told us we don't need to. And they said, well, unfortunately, we are full. We have too many reservations, and we can't accept you. There's the road to the interstate. And so we're like, like and we, I had to stop for a second. I'm like, really? Like, seriously? No. Okay. You know, like, we're, you know, we're, Kate, Naomi's ready to pet the chickens, and we're excited for all this, and we're like, what are we going to do? So I'm like, really? We do have to? We did last year. They told us we didn't have to. They said, sorry, we're up to code. You can't. There's the road. There's people trying to come in. There's the road. There's the interstate. So we pull off to the side, and I'm like, we drove out here. I'm not just going to go home, all right? I'm going to at least call and see if I can talk with someone, explain the situation, See if there's any way that they can help us out. And so I call, and then the lady says, yeah, unfortunately, it's true. We are we, fire code. We can't do anymore for you. We're really sorry that you were told last year you didn't have to, but you had to this year. And then they said, but we have the person in charge. Her name is Katie, which sounds a pretty trustworthy name. Sounds like a, an honest person with that name. So then they say, we're well, going to transfer you to her. She can maybe make an exception for you. So tell her what happened. You know, she's probably, it's really busy. She's probably not going to be in her office, but I'll transfer you. But the lady then said, I'll give you her cell phone number, and you can call her cell phone and maybe get a hold of her there if she's running around. They transfer me. No one answers. I leave a message at her in her office. And then I try and call her cell phone. And maybe you've had this happen before. You call, and then it gets to the voicemail time, and it says, I'm sorry. The person has no more room in their mailbox for messages. They are not accepting messages at this point. So I was like, well, that stinks. So then I waited a couple minutes. I tried to call for the next five or six minutes just a couple times just to see if I could get through. No luck. So I tried to call back one more time just to say, hey, I didn't get through. Can you patch me into her office one last time? Maybe she just happened to go in to grab a pen or something. I don't know. But this time I talked to someone at Purina Farms, and they are not very nice. And they are incredibly rude to me in explaining how this is, you know, we should have registered and all this stuff. And I was explaining to them, you're right, we should have. Like, we didn't think we had to, but we still, we still could have, and we feel bad. But I just wanted them to know and ask them to not tell anyone they don't have to register. That's all I wanted. Like, don't have anyone else be in the boat we were in. So we went through this process, and, and I was going to have this lady transfer me back to Katie's office. And by the end of the conversation, she just hung up the phone. And I was being incredibly, uh, you know, calm during it. Katie can vouch for that. I was very calm during this whole situation. And I was trying to be nice about the whole situation, but she basically hung up on me at the end. And it was, we were prepared to never go back again. And we had such a, a bad experience with how we were treated and how it was handled that we just, we weren't planning on going back. The people, the workers there who represented Purina Farms, they got in the way of our experience. And just like in our story, our passage today, the disciples got in the way of Jesus. They got in the way of the parents bringing their children to Jesus. Romans 14, 13. Paul says this. He says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. We need to be intentional to not cause other people to stumble. People that want to get 
to God, want to have a belief in God, to not cause them to stumble, to get in the way of them believing. Because as we're going to see as we finish out the story, even the disciples didn't represent Jesus the best. Here's what Jesus really teaches. It's in verse 16. It says, But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. The disciples were good men. You know, I'm sure they meant well. They probably just thought Jesus was too busy. They probably thought he was too busy to deal with all these kids. He's teaching. He doesn't have time to take away to talk to, for these children that he had more important things to do. But they were wrong. If we're not careful like the disciples, we can hinder people from coming to Jesus. Just like Jesus corrected the disciples means that he can correct you as well. Jesus corrected them with their problems, that their incorrect opinions and their incorrect teachings of Jesus by turning the children away. It means that Jesus can correct us as well. There really wasn't any doubt behind the disciples' actions. Like, I'm sure they like kids. Maybe it was just one of those moments where they're like, ah, you know what, the flu's going around, let's keep the kids away from us right now. But they just didn't see him as important. But Jesus did. He saw them as important enough to stop what he was doing and welcome them into his arms. I need to go back to my Purina Farm story. It wasn't done there. It didn't end there, luckily. We actually just went to Purina Farms on Friday and had a wonderful experience there. And the reason we did was because Katie, again, she was a good person. Uh, she called me back that next week, and I explained the situation to her, and she felt horrible for how it was handled. She felt horrible for the way that they told us misinformation the year before, how we were treated very coldly at the, at, in our car, that there's the interstate, and then how we were treated on the phone the last time we talked. And she was great and felt really bad about it and corrected it. She gave us, like, special pass that we got to have a... Naomi got to actually go up on... There's, like, a diving setup for the dogs to jump into a pool for the dog show. And Naomi got to go up and, like, stand right next to the dog as it jumped past her. And so, like, they, they went above and beyond to show that that's not who they really are. She went above and beyond and said, this is not what Purina Farms is. This is what Purina Farms is. That's what Jesus did. He corrected what the disciples were saying by turning the kids away, and he said, let the children come to me. Jesus teaches a couple things here, if we look into what he says here. The first thing that he teaches us is that nothing is too small to bring to him. I've been doing youth and children's ministry for almost a decade now, and over the years I've heard People say things like this, and maybe you've heard them say, God has much more important things to worry about than my problems. And maybe you've said that before. And any time I hear this, I will say, that's not true. That is not how God is. He doesn't think anything is too small. I've always wondered where this thought comes from. I just have, I've never known. I've always been like, what, where could it possibly be coming from? What leads to people having this incorrect opinion of God? Maybe they heard it growing up at church. Maybe someone brought a request about their dog have, you know, having a, something, a problem with its paw, and the person said, you know what, maybe that's not, that's not what we should pray for. Let's take real. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe someone they cared about expressed that to them that they weren't important, and they brought that opinion to God as well. Here's the thing. We have to be careful 
that our ideas about God come from God, not from someone else. We need to always look back at God's word and make sure that even if what I'm saying or what Brian's saying or what Jeff's saying as we are here at church or whenever you're in a study, that you make sure that it aligns with what God really says. When we look at scripture, we see over and over and over again that God is a God of the details, that he cares so much about you. Matthew 10.30 says that the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Now, for some of us, that's not that big of a deal, right? Like, I only got a few now. I still got some, though. I got more than Josh, so. (laughs) But Psalm 147 also says this. It says that God counts the stars and calls them by name. If he knows the stars by name, you can bet that he cares about everything about your life. Nothing is too small to bring to him. Melanie Chitwood, she's a Proverbs 31 ministries rep, and she says it like this. She says, Scripture tells us who God really is. He's not a God who loves from afar. He's a God who cares about the details of our lives. Nothing is too small to present to him. Nothing escapes his attention, his care, and his love. We are looking at the Gospel of Luke's version of the story. The Gospel of Mark also tells the story of Jesus and the children being brought to him. And at the very end of it, Mark adds that Jesus took the children into his arms put his hands on them and bless them. They weren't too small for him. He wasn't too busy to take the time to show them that they are important to him. That same applies to us today. The second thing that we can see that Jesus says here is that humility is vital to your faith. Humility is incredibly important to your faith. Kids are humble. Well, not really. They're actually pretty selfish when I think about it. I don't know about you, but my kids are. They get mad when something's not done the right way, and they want it done a specific way, and then you got to reset them to make sure that they can do it the way they wanted to do it, and know that they're humble in the way that they depend solely upon their parents. They're humble in that they can't do anything, especially at a young, young age, without 100% dependence upon their parents. That is how, that is the type of faith that we need to have. And maybe in your life, you know someone, a Christian, that was not very humble. They are a very proud person. I was, there's a story of this pastor who they were doing, a, uh, doing like a revival weekend. And there was people that were rededicating their lives to Christ during this weekend. And there was a time where people were coming down front and talking with the pastor. And one of the guys comes down front, pull, comes to the side of the stage, and the pastor goes over to the side. The guy calls him over, and he says, I just want to let you know. The guy says this to the pastor. He says, I am Jesus. And the pastor kind of looks at him weird, and he says, okay, um, like, he's, are you sure? Like, you're, you're Jesus. I am Jesus, and I'm here to tell you this message. So the pastor kind of is trying to discern the situation. He kind of thinks about it, and he says, all right, I do have a question for you. When I look at the Bible, it says that when Jesus comes back, it's going to be a pretty big deal. Like, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess. It's, we're going to know when Jesus comes back. So how do you say that you're Jesus if you're just coming here now? And the guy looks at the pastor and he says, the plans have changed. Like, can you imagine being that big-headed that you would think that you are Jesus and that you supersede the word of God? Maybe you've had someone in your life that was that proud, that, was that, that, was, that struggled with humility. Proverbs 3.34 says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We need to be people of, people of humility. We need to not give our proudness 
especially if we are people that represent Christ to others that may be a hindrance to them. So I have a couple questions as we, as we close up here. First is to those out here that we do call ourselves Christians. We've been baptized. We've been people that have lived a repentant life and are moving forward as a new creation. My first question for you is, are you representing God accurately? Are you reading scripture? Are you serving? Are you praying in a way that people see Jesus when they see you and not just Jesus, they see an accurate picture of who Jesus is? Here's another way to put it for those of you on social media. If Jesus were to be following you on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat, would he be embarrassed? Would he look at what you're saying and how you're commenting and what you're sharing and say, that's not who I am? How do you act whenever you're driving your car? Maybe, maybe you have the Joy of Him sticker on your car, the 99.1 Joy of Him sticker, bumper sticker, and, and people see that. I'll just let you know that people actually see that sticker, and, and there's not a great opinion of it. I was looking on Facebook recently. I was on a KSDK page about traffic updates and weather, and they said that, like, the top comment said, watch out for the 99.1 stickers. I was like, what is that about? It was, like, the number one liked comment. So I looked into this comment, and sure enough, people say the people with those stickers are the meanest and worst drivers. And I was like, what? That's the... Really, there's probably a few of them that are not good. Uh, but they have represented Joy FM poorly, right? They have represented, and Joy FM is trying to bring Christ into the city. And so how do you act behind the wheel of your car? Would you feel embarrassed if you had a Jesus sticker on your bumper? Well, how do you handle when you don't have great customer service? How do you handle when you're talking to someone on the phone and they're not listening to you or you don't feel like they are? Do you treat them with respect or do you treat them with evil or with hate? Make sure that we're representing God accurately. We don't want, we don't want God to be embarrassed by, by us because we represent Christ here on earth. My other question is for those of you out here who haven't gone all in with Jesus. They haven't decided yet. Maybe someone has gotten in their way of their belief. I'm not sure where you are in your life. But my question is, is it because of what someone representing God said or did? Is your opinion of God negative because of someone else? I challenge you to look at Scripture and see if your opinion of God aligns with what Scripture says. Lead Minister Brian and I, we'd love to talk with you about what it means to be a Christian and, and, and you know, how... Your life can be changed and what it's like to get plugged in here and be a part of this church and a part of God's family. So we'd love to just share that with you. If this is a day, if there's been, you've been thinking about it for a while, you've been thinking about what it means to be baptized, you've been thinking about what it means to be a Christ follower, maybe today is a day that you, that you do make that decision. Maybe today is a day that you start working towards going all in for Christ.